Tomes and Tropes podcast, where books and friendships collide. I'm Becca. And I'm Carrie, and we're two friends who love to talk about books. Today, we are talking about The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, Part 6. Quick reminder that this book is rated 17+, plus, but our adult content will be kept to a minimum. And we do not do spoilers. Well... Other than the ones we are covering in this episode. And since we are in part six, go finish reading to part six and come back when you're all done. We're going to be spoiling a large majority of the book in this. Yeah. There's not much left, so. Yeah. (laughs) At least up to part six. True, true. It's now time for our one sentence summaries where we summarize each chapter of this part in one sentence. Now, in this episode, we're talking about part six, which is labeled Do Not Pretend That This Is Love. There are 20 chapters in this part, so please bear with us. This is going to be a long summary, but we're going to get through it and we're excited. We got this. Part 6, Chapter 1, France, 1914. Addie visits her hometown for the last time, where Luke apologizes for Estelle's tree, even though it wasn't his fault, and he takes her to Paris, where he gives her the ring as a promise that he will come when she calls. Chapter 2, New York City, 2014. Henry and Addie have the perfect day together at the beach, where an uneasy Addie doesn't want Luke to come and ruin a perfect day by showing up on their anniversary despite having not seen him for 40 years. Chapter 3, Chicago, 1928. Addie and Luke flirt in the bar when she tells him she would rather be a ghost than belong with him. Chapter 4, New York City, 2014. As expected, Luke shows up to celebrate the anniversary with Addie, where she finds out he allowed Henry and her to meet, and that Henry's deal is not actually for a lifetime. Chapter 5, New York City, 2013. Luke saves Henry on the roof, where they make a deal for a year. Chapter 6, New York City, 2014. Henry shares his story about his curse, and Addie is coming to terms and understanding of both who Henry is and what Luke is doing. Chapter 7, France, 1944. Luke saves Addie from the jail cell when she is captured for being a spy and brings her to Boston instead. Chapter 8, New York City, 2014. As determined as ever to save Henry, Addie agrees to meet Luke and celebrate their anniversary where their war that has been going on for 300 years continues. Chapter 9, California, 1952. Luke interrupts Addie's date with Max and takes her on their first official date where they dance together and have their second kiss. Mm. Chapter 10, Everywhere, Nowhere, 1952 to 1968. Despite thinking it would only happen once, Luke comes to her every few months, which turns into every few days, and she realizes she doesn't actually hate him, but she also doesn't love him. Chapter 11, New York City, 2014. Addie and Luke are still on their date, and they share that they've missed each other, and Addie makes Luke mad by continuing to mention Harry. Henry. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, who's Henry? Henry? (laughs) Oh my god. For a second, my first thought was like, Did I miss a lover? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. 
Chapter 12, New Orleans, 1970. We finally made it to New Orleans, where Luke says he loves Addie and gives her a gorgeous home of her own. Chapter 13, New York City, 2014. Luke and Addie go to the rooftop bar, and Addie continues to mention Henry, which causes Luke to make her choose someone for Luke to take instead of Henry, which she does, making Luke laugh and plunging her into the woods. Chapter 14, New Orleans, 1984. Addie comes to realize that what her and Luke have is not real, and this leads into a huge argument between them that ends with the house burning down. Chapter 15, New York City, 2014. Luke asks Addie to dance with him and then admits that Henry was a ploy for her to find the, quote, human love to understand how fragile it is, but he ends up stealing seven days instead of one night, and she runs back to a broken and haggard Henry and agrees to stay with him. Chapter 16, New York City, August 2014. Henry begins to say his goodbyes as his time comes closer to the end, and Addie is there to provide comfort through it all. Chapter 17, New York City, September 2014. Henry and Addie spend his last day together where Addie tells him stories. They visit the merchant, and he is okay. Chapter 18, New York City, September 2014. Because Henry's time is almost done, they are on the roof where he made the deal, where, oddly enough, Addie is telling him at this time that he needs to write everything down, including the end of the story that she hasn't told him yet. Chapter 19, New York City, September 2014. Three nights until the end, Addie calls upon Luke and admits she is not human anymore, making a deal with Luke that she will be his as long as he wants her by his side. Chapter 20, New York City, September 2014. Henry pleads with Addie to not do this, and she thanks him and asks that he live his life and let people see who he really is, and he promises to always remember her. Whew! All the feels. (laughs) So many feels. All the feels. Carrie, what did you think about part six? Uh, Soul-crushing, heartbreaking. I had so many thoughts and feelings. I So I was reading this part on a plane, and I was in the middle seat, and I just couldn't move, which was, like, really hard for me. Oh, no. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't fully, like, breathe or just, like, process it fully. Because, like, normally when I read a part that's, like, part six in a book, I, like, need to pace around for a second or, like, go clean while I process it. I don't know. It's just what I do. But I definitely reread this part because I was just... I loved being heartbroken, and I was just traumatized. It was so good. But as I predicted last week, part five was definitely a build-up to this part, for sure. It was packed. Um, I did love seeing Luke, like, really developing throughout this part. Yes. And I did start to feel really bad for him, but I am just more heartbroken for Henry and Addie right now. So we'll see what part seven holds. Speaking of Henry and Addie, I really loved seeing what they gave to each other. So Henry remembered and Addie saw this Mm. part was just so good. It was I felt so angsty, so heartbroken, just so torn up for all three of our main characters. I have so many words yet. Not enough. But yeah, Becca, what did you think? Okay, so all of that. Yes. (laughs) So I have said before that I do not want this to be an enemies to lovers story. Mm-hmm. I don't want Addie and Luke to end up together. That's not what I want. 
I still agree. However, think of this podcast episode as my thesis into <laughs> Luke loving Addie. Ooh, it's like a B finally decided what to do her yes. dissertation about. <laughs> yes, this podcast episode is now my thesis into why I think that Luke actually loves Addie. I am firmly in that camp that Luke loves Addie. Now, I think it's important to note here that just because Luke loves Addie does not mean that Addie loves Luke. And that's where this book, I think, had they loved each other and ended up, I would have been really upset with this part. You know, I would have been really, um, I, I think that had we ended on, I think it's chapter like 14, 13, 14, where it's like the everywhere and nowhere. I think had we ended on that part, I would have been very upset, but we didn't. We still have the rest of this part and we have part seven, which we still have to read. So I think like with that, I am okay with this being my thesis that Luke loves Abby. <laughs> I love it. This part hit me in the feels. It truly did. It really did. And I'm probably going to be in the minority here, but it hit me in the feels more for Luke than it did for Henry. I was heartbroken mm. for Luke. Again, <sighs> see later in my thesis. <laughs> see later in this episode. Um, and I'll, I'll share more about this later for sure. But I did feel really sorry for Luke at the end of this chapter or at the end of this part. Um, and I will just, we'll, we'll dive into it. Also, though, there was so much that happened in this part and it was so good. And I loved this part. It was so, like you said, Carrie, it was so angsty. There was so much, there were so many answered questions that we had been asking for such a long time. And I just really loved this part. Um, I'm excited to read part seven and um, yeah, I'm excited to dig into it and see like, let's, let's read or let's go through the rest of our thesis and talk through it. So I'm excited. I can't wait. But before we get into Becca's thesis here, let's talk about our meet cutes. So we actually got to meet one new like notable character in part six but I am going to do an honorable mention because why not? I make the rules. I can do whatever I want. So we got to meet yep. Max. <laughs> Thank you for the backup. So Max is a sculptor that Addie meets and is a lover of hers in Los Angeles in 1952. So we know that he is actually a rich artist, which is different from all the other artists that Addie has dated thus far. His family just pays his way. Um, So Max and Addie's date, um, they had been seeing each other for a few months, and it was ruined when Luke showed up on their date, which was not on their anniversary, and we learned that Luke is jealous of Max. Yep. Jealous Shadow Daddy. So, (laughs) speaking of Shadow Daddy, we got Luke. Uh, he is our honorable mention for today's meet cutes. Yes. He is our jealous lover of Addie. Um, I mean, villain. Sorry. He, lover, villain. I don't know. We'll All see. All the things. We'll see. Becca, Becca has a, is probably going to convince us of a non-villain or less villain. I mean, so this is what I'm thinking 
will happen okay. is very similar to how I like I view him as I viewed Shadow and the Bone. Um, what's his name? The, the Darkling. Played, the Darkling. Yeah, mm. where I like am rooting for him, but not really because he's a villain. You know. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. We haven't read Shadow of the Bone. No, we so haven't. So this is just based on the show yes. that we've seen. If you want us to read Shadow and the Bone, let us know. We are yeah. taking recommendations for future books. Absolutely. But in all seriousness, we do get to see that Luke has a particularly soft side for Addie and is in love with her as much as a god can be. Yep. Anything to add, Becca, about Luke that you want to point out since you're our, our Luke stan here? <laughs> um, I don't... Yes and no. I mean, a lot of what I want to point out, we're going to point out in our quotables. Um, but I do think it's... I liked that you added him here as a meet cute because I really feel like... Um, we talked about this in part five, but I really wanted more of Luke on the page. And we got that in part five, but we definitely got it in part six. I felt like part mm-hmm. six was just our introduction to Luke that we have been having for Henry for a really long time um, and that we've been having for Addie for a really long time. So I did like that you you added him here, but I don't have anything additional to add to his uh, definition yet. We'll, we'll add as we go. I love it. But speaking of adding as we go, we are going to be moving on to our quotables next. Um, And just as a reminder, these are the parts and or quotes that we think are notable in this book and things that we want to highlight and things that we want to talk about because we want to talk about them because we do what we want. (laughs) We're really in the um, making our own rules vibe today. (laughs) We are. We are. I'm I'm digging it. I love it. We are feeling angsty from this we part. We are. <laughs> v. Schwab put us in the fields and we're unable to get out. She did. She did. To Noah. Good but job. just a quick reminder that these quotables are in chronological order. So we do go from chapter one all the way to potentially chapter 20. I don't know if we have any chapter 20 quotables, but we do have some chapter one quotables. Mm-hmm. So chapter one... This is not a quote. It is just, we're back in Valon for the last time. So I know I've brought this up before in a few episodes, but since it is the last time we'll be back in Valon, I wanted to bring it up because Addie is constantly going back. It is the one place she never wanted to stay, yet she's always going home and always coming back to her family and Estelle and the people that she loved and trying to capture that. So I I just, the whole reason she made this deal with Luke was to get out and experience the world, but she always comes back. And I think that just tells us a lot about Addie. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do have a chapter one quotable and we might as well call my quotables for this part. He loves me. He loves me not. Ooh. And that is going to be a consistent theme throughout all of my quotables for this part. I love this. Um, so we're going to go through it. And yeah, all of my quotables are either evidence that Luke loves Addie or evidence that he doesn't love Addie. So we're going to go through and like, this is not 
I would like to say this is not an exhaustive list. These are just th- these are just quotables or parts that I think are like big proofs or not proofs. So he loves me. He loves me not. Okay. So chapter one, the quote that I have is put it on and I will come. And this is when Luke is giving Addie her father's ring back. And this was so interesting to me because he says in this, like in this part, like this makes us even because he comes back and um, like he even says like, I've been visiting you or like I'm here more often than you think I have been or something like that. And she cannot go visit him. Like it's not one of those types of things. It's like he holds the power here. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a reminder, we are seeing this whole book through Addie's point of view. We're not getting Luke's point of view here. We are getting Addie's point of view. So I'm firmly in the camp that Luke loves Addie, but Addie does not see it that way. And I think that some of this may be circumstantial and may just be because of how Addie's viewing it, right? And I don't know if we can really... I think we can give Addie the benefit of the doubt that she is a reliable narrator when it comes to facts and timelines and places that she's been and what's actually being said. However, I don't think we can give her the reliability when we are talking about how things were said or Mm. um, feelings behind it. So like the perception behind what, what we're saying. So keep that, keep that in mind as we're going through this, because I think that will change our perspective a little bit here. Okay. So we are in this instance where Addie gets the ring from Luke. And up until now, every time we've seen the ring, we have been guessing as to what the point of the ring is. We've always thought that when she puts the ring on, it means that she is surrendering to Luke and Mm -hmm. she is like giving up her deal. And that is not what this ring is. This ring is a promise that if she puts it on, he's going to come to her. And I loved that they use the ring in this case because it's like a ring is like it is a promise like when you get married like you're vowing things to each other and um a ring is a promise so I loved that Luke used the ring as a promise in this section Mm. now Luke or let me back up so up until now, this the ring has been shown in such a negative light. Addie hates that it's always carried with her. She can never lose it, whatever. Now, at, Luke gives this to Addie after he admits that he is with her more than she thinks. So it's already like he's already starting to admit that he's with her a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and even after he says that, and he says, like, now or even now you can, like, call to me and I'll come. Like, he's giving her this promise. She thinks, quote, it is a challenge. It's a game parading as a gift, not a war so much as a wager, a batter of a battle of wills. For her to don the ring to call on Luke would be to fold, to admit defeat, to surrender. Mm. So regardless of what Luke's original intention here was, that's what Addie sees the ring as. 
And that's what we get the entire book of this ring, this promise that Luke is giving her. This is how it's viewed the entire book up until this point. Yeah. So anyway, so this ring up until now is a bad thing. But for Luke, it's a peace offering. It's a way for her to make the first move to be like, hey, Luke, like, I do want to see you. Right. Yeah. I we're going to pretend like we understand what Luke's going through in this time because he is lonely. Like he's we've established that. Um, But he's lonely and he wants like I also know that it's better to be lonely than to be somewhere where you're not wanted. So I think this is Luke's way of not being where he's not wanted, even though he's lonely and to not like to give her some of the power back in their, in their like quote relationship, if that's what we're going to call it. (laughs) It's something. It's something. It's also, he even says later, quote, I hate war. He doesn't like war. He says that multiple times in this part, multiple times. And Addie is always waging war against him. All the time. So I don't think this is a battle. I don't think it's a battle of wills. I think this is something that he can confirm that she also wants his company. And I also want to highlight that after he gives her the ring, he does not come again for 14 years. He patiently waits for her to say, no, I want you to be there. And the only time he appears without the ring after that, that I can remember. There are two times. The first is at the bar 14 years later when she thinks about putting the ring on. And the second is when he appears on their anniversary at the end of this part with Henry. Mm. Every other time up until then, except for their little like everywhere and nowhere chapter, he comes only when she puts the ring on. That's crazy. Which is kind of sad. Like, poor, friendless, lonely Luke. You've already convinced me. Now I'm already feeling bad for him. (laughs) Well, I'm not done yet. (laughs) Oh, no. We're, oh, well. I'm still so much of a Henry stan, so you're literally, you're not even convincing our listeners. You're just working on convincing me right now. I don't know if you knew that, but yeah. Okay. Basically, I. Challenge accepted. (laughs) I'm not hard to convince. You just give me slight evidence and I'm like, okay, sure. Well, we're going to go back and forth. This is not a I love Luke. Well, it is a little bit. This is not an I love Luke thesis. It's a let's look at the evidence and draw our own conclusions thesis. Okay, okay. Well, that works. Our next quotable is in chapter three. It's, quote, she has reached for it a hundred times when she is lonely, when she was bored, when she saw a thing of beauty and thought of him. So this is obviously talking about the ring. So it goes, this quote goes on to say, like, how stubborn she is and determined to win, but he is too proud to show up. Um, This really stood out to me when I was listening to the audiobook, like, after reading part six. I was reading to the audio or listening to the audiobook the last couple days and um it it dawned on me this is what you would do with a significant other or like an ex that you really missed and you're trying not to text. Yes. Like, he 
they're like kind of toxic to each other like she's thinking about him even though she knows she shouldn't Mm -hmm. and like she's just lonely and when she i love that like when she saw a thing of beauty and thought of him like it's not just when she's sad and lonely like she's she cares about luke whether she knows it or not yep but yeah, I just thought that was funny because it sounded like an like someone trying not to sex their ex. <laughs> Addie needs a friend to like slap her a little bit. Yeah, she does. <laughs> All right, my next quotable is for chapter four. But there are only twelve hours on a watch, only twelve months in a year, and he wouldn't couldn't be so foolish. <sighs> this whole I could have done all of chapter four as a quotable, but I <laughs> I can't. I just love it. I just hate it, love it so much. Um, yeah. But we are finally learning how long Henry has, the significance of the watch that, quote, doesn't work, and the lifetime that Henry supposedly has. So uh, this whole chapter just wrecked me. I was shook. I was only like 10 minutes in my flight, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. <laughs> It took took me a lot not to read part seven. I'll just tell you that. But mm. uh, I want this part to be a movie. Like, I want this whole chapter to just be a movie because I know this scene would make me cry so, so hard. Yeah. I know we're going to – we always find a way to talk about Finnick, but it reminds me of when I read that part in the book where Finnick dies. Spoiler alert. Sorry, but – Yes. But, like, in the book, I was, like, really sad, but I didn't cry. But the movie makes me cry every single time. And I know that if this is ever a movie or a show, I would just cry because I could just see Henry's face and the sadness and, like, Luke being triumphant and Addie just being brokenhearted. And uh, this whole chapter, I reread it, like, three times on the plane because it was just like uh this is breaking my heart but also giving me all the answers i wanted (laughs) and i would just like to point out that i guessed that luke either knew about them or planned this you did i'm very proud of myself you should be i just i had a feeling and i i just i knew the watch was significant and i knew that it wasn't like not working i didn't say that because i didn't want to sound silly if it, i was wrong <laughs> but it just it was a very good and sad chapter it was okay so we're gonna take a break from he loves me he loves me not for this quotable sorry guys i told you all of them were gonna be that and this one is not but <laughs> here we are so I took a big sip of water right before you said that I was trying to <laughs> that. So uh, chapter five, there's this quote. It says, and that is where the stranger finds him. Now, this is talking about Luke when Henry, when Luke finds Henry on the rooftop, when Henry finally tells Addie the real story of the deal that they made. And I'm a bit confused here. And I guess I have a question for you, Carrie, is remember when Henry originally told Addie about making the deal, he met Luke in the rain on the front steps of the apartment. And he looked like David, who's Henry's older brother. And 
he we even get like the quote where like for a second I thought it was David because he's coming to tell me what a disappointment I am right so Mm -hmm. we get we get that quote but in this instance Henry's on the roof and he like steps over the edge and does that mean everything that the original story that Henry told was not true because not only like we thought that it was just like I made a deal for a lifetime like we thought that was the lie but was the whole story a lie Mm. and because like this is a completely different scenario and situation than that original that original story interesting I didn't even catch that I, I think I was like huh I must have remembered it wrong but I didn't like catch that it was completely different I don't know maybe like he was on a lot of like substances too so maybe <laughs> he doesn't fully remember that's the true whole story like he, maybe he ended up on the roof after the original encounter with David Luke um David or Luke sorry I don't know what I was doing <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's interesting but yeah, just an interesting difference to me that I was like, oh, what else is going on there? What else, Henry? Or Harry? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. I'm going to have to keep that in just for that. All right. Chapter six. She has survived 300 years. And in those centuries, there have been so many times when the ground gave way. Moments when she could not catch her balance or her breath. When the world left her feeling lost, broken, and hopeless. So this is when she's recounting all of the things we read about in the entire book. From the night she made the deal with her when and she went to her parents and realized they don't remember her. Um, to Remy giving her the coins. To Estelle's tree falling. And she is mad. All of these 300 years of disappointment and pain... She is mad. She's mad at Luke. She's mad at herself, I'm sure, a little bit. But she's channeling it straight to Luke, which is Mm -hmm. kind of unfair. Sorry, Luke. But I knew she would be really upset. And I loved getting Addie's vengeance. Like, angsty, super angry Addie. I love seeing that. Because I knew when she learned the truth about Henry's deal. Because I I suspected we weren't getting the full truth with him. Um, but I also love yeah. seeing just everything coming to fruition, everything we've read about, all her hurt, her pain. She's ready to explode on Luke, and I'm here for it. Yep. And we get that explosion. Mm-hmm. Okay. Chapter 7, we're back to the he loves me, he loves me mats. <laughs> Quote, there is ambition and there is evil. And as much as I'd like to create a roster of my class, my past exploits, your life is the important one right now. Now we get that quote from Luke and he's talking to Addie. And this is when Addie finally relents and puts the ring on when um, she's in the jail cell after being caught as a spy in occupied France. So she puts the ring on to call him for help. And Luke and Addie are verbally sparring here. Um, like, they're really, like, Addie calls him and then is like, 
go away. Like, I don't want you. Like, <laughs> very mixed signals from my girl, Addie. Come on, Addie. But it's unfair. they're verbally sparring again. And again, we get the note that Luke hates wars. We get that this that quote again in this part. But instead of bragging about his exploits, of which I'm sure he has plenty and he would love to go on and on and on bragging about, he tells her that her life is the important one right now. Now, I don't know this, and I guess this is a question that maybe we can debate, but Luke is a god, right? And he can travel through the darkness. He we don't ever really get confirmation that he can time travel. But my assumption is that he probably can. Mm. Um, I don't know why I feel that way. I just, I do. I feel like he probably can time travel. So for, we, we don't, we can't confirm that, but we're going to go with he probably can. He helps her out of a sticky situation, even though he could sit and, like, help. Like, he doesn't have to help her right at that moment. Like, he could come back earlier or, like, they could have this, like, I don't know. Like, he doesn't have to sit there and help her in that exact moment, but he does. And he tells her instead, like, we're not going to do this. I'm going to help you out here. And I just want to bring up something that Carrie, you said, um, I think it was part five or part four, but Luke is not a boastful God. And I think we get this here again, right? He's not boastful. He cares about Addie and her life. Um, And this is just another example of that. And I think another point that he loves Addie. Mm. I think... uh... Contributing to the point that he's not a boastful god, he also, like, whenever in New Orleans, when um, they were everywhere, nowhere, and um, whenever he had to, quote, go to work, Mm. he basically just said, go to work, and he didn't brag about it or say, like, haha, Addy, I got another soul. So I think he doesn't really, it probably would make him look bad if he did say that to Addie but I think again he's not he doesn't seem like a very boastful like look at me kind of god yeah no that's a really good point I didn't even catch that okay moving on to chapter nine this is my if I had a topic sentence if I had a nail in the coffin for my thesis (laughs) This would be it. This is uh, education, Becca, here, coming out. (laughs) Yes, this is my master's thesis coming out. Future (laughs) PhD, Becca. Okay. Chapter nine, we get, quote, even if everyone you met remembered, I would still know you best. So this whole part, this whole chapter was a lot of he loves me, he loves me not. So we got so many things here. But first in the he loves me category, Luke says what I just what I just quoted is like, even if everyone remembered, I would still know you best. 
He knows her. Mm-hmm. You only know people like that if you love them or you hate them. There's no in between. It is a <laughs> passionate knowing, and that only comes from your greatest love or your greatest enemy. So I guess, mm. well, based on that, I'm going to change my mind a little bit. Maybe this could go both ways. I'm going to let our listeners decide if this is a loves me or loves me not. But it, this could go he doesn't love her or he loves her a lot. So listeners, what do you think? Carrie, what do you think? Oh, that's a good point I didn't think of. I it, When you were talking, I was like, maybe it started as hate. Like, Mm -hmm. an enemy type thing. Like, this girl is outsmarting me, and so I need to know her to win. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it turned into love. Because I love the enemies to lovers trope, so I'm always going to push for that. (laughs) But no, I think it's probably more love. I'm leaning more towards love. Okay, okay. So a few lines down, we get this quote. So Addie and him like are talking and she goes, do I know you? And Luke says, quote, you're the only one who does. Uh. Definitely a loves me, full stop. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that one. (laughs) Then Luke goes into his whole, I want you, I've always wanted you, which is... Meh. <laughs> Carrie's over here fanning herself, and I'm like, meh. <laughs> I know. We had totally different reactions to that. I could I could live without that, to be totally honest. <laughs> I, I didn't really know what that meant, because if we're being honest, like, did he always want her? I don't really know. I think it's interesting because, like, we don't get confirmation of how he seals deals with anybody else the closest we get is with Henry and we don't get Henry ever saying that like Luke kissed Henry. So I mean, maybe that's like, you're so beautiful. I want to kiss you. So that's how we're going to seal a deal. But I I don't think we always got the, I've always wanted you type thing. So meh, I could have lived without it. But then Addie says, you want me as a prize. Like, you only want me as a meal, which is definitely a loves me not. Because I do agree that if we're going to look at it that way, he has always wanted Addie, but he's always wanted Addie as, like, a meal, as, like, a prize to, like, win her soul. Mm-hmm. And Addie is so against Luke in this and thinks he's only doing all of this to make her surrender. So... I'm going to side with Addie on this one, and it's a he loves me not. Then, then, Luke changes it up real quick, and they have their kiss, right? The first kiss since the deal that they made mm-hmm. in the 1700s. And the quote is, he kisses her like someone tasting poison. Cautiously, carefully intentionally Mm. definitely in the he loves me oh yes definitely there lastly oh a 
and this one got me last like when I was typing this up I was typing so ferociously I was like oh my gosh I can't believe I just found this was this when you like texted me that you were like Penelope (laughs) from Criminal Minds yes I was like this is for those of you who don't know I also love true crime and I am a I love me some Criminal Minds and Penelope is their like tech wizard who's always like typing away and she she's just the best and she's just like like typing away all all the time i love her that was me last night was doing all of my research on if we love daddy or not okay so lastly <laughs> the next morning luke says quote it's been so long since i haven't wanted to leave what <laughs> What the heck does that mean? When did he w- not want to leave before? Uh, has this just what been... does it mean? Literally, has this just been with Addie? Was there someone else that he didn't want to leave before Addie? What does this mean? What does it mean that he hasn't, like, <laughs> it's been so long since I haven't wanted to leave. Like, so he hasn't wanted to leave before? Mm-hmm. I am firmly in the camp that this is Luke not wanting to leave Addie, which we're going to put in the point of he loves me. <laughs> I I took that quote as he hasn't wanted to leave Addie because Addie is feeling something for him for the first time and not wanting him to leave. That's how I took it. But I am definitely concerned now that I see your point of view. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Scary. Scary. Okay. Okay. We're done with that part of our thesis. (laughs) I wonder if this next quote will be, because I I try not to read your notes. So this could be a love me, love me not. Because I was really trying to be fully surprised. Okay. I haven't read this, so I don't know. Perfect. So the next quotable is from chapter 11. He is gravity. He is 300 years of history. He is the only constant in her life. The only one who will always, always remember. I think to, for me, this just shows that, like, this is not as much love that Addie has for Luke as much as need. So I think that's a very different different like when you want someone's and if you want someone as your friend or significant other that's different but when you need them that's an entirely different thing like if you're becoming friends with like we'll use friends for example like if you're becoming friends with someone because you need something from that person that's entirely different than wanting to be friends because for friendship's sake so that's kind of the difference I picked up for him. A mm-hmm. um, little bit of an adult warning, kind of. We're just going to talk quickly about that she does lust for him and want him, what does want him as a companion in that way. Mm-hmm. So that's, but she also needs him because he is truly the only one who has remembered her. But I want to point out this quote. Uh, because this is what Luke has always told her throughout this mm. entire book. 
the last 300 years, he has been the one to remind her that he's the only one that does remember and that he is the only one to help her and save her and be there for her. So he's almost conditioned her to, like, need him in a way so that she... Because he's always wanted her to rely on him. Yeah. Because as time went on, he probably knew that it was less likely her for her to surrender completely to him because she was figuring out the curse. She was figuring out ways around it to make her mark. Yep. So it'd be less likely for her to surrender fully to him because she wouldn't need him as much. But it had to be a reliance on him that moved her. So. Okay. So, here's a question. Okay. Luke, like you said, has always reminded Addie that he's the only one that will always remember. When did that become less of a taunt and more of a promise? Mm. Because at the beginning, it was a taunt. It's, I'm the the only one. You only get me. Nobody else is going to remember you. Mm. But then it became... I will always remember you. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I'm not going to finish singing. When did singing. it turn, you know? Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like it turned around the time... Like, he first brought her into the shadows and moved her around to different places. Mm. Like, probably before that. Or during that, like when he covered her with the blanket in the cottage in England. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. I feel like, though, the fact that she realizes that he's the only one who's going to remember him or remember her makes Henry, losing Henry, even worse. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So chapter 13, where this is more of a part than it is a quote, but it's the part when Addie, they're at the bar, Luke and Addie are at the rooftop bar, and he says, okay, a soul for a soul, who would you choose for me to take instead of Henry? And what does Addie do? She chooses a soul for Luke to take over Henry. What a crazy turn of events. And I think this is the beginning of the end for Addie here that like she she never would have done that. Like in the 1700s when she first made that deal, all she wanted was to live. She didn't want to like be stuck or anything. But for her to know what it's like to be in a deal with Luke and then to just assign it to a random person, I think is a huge character turn for her that like, that's the point that we can, we can point to saying like, she, she has changed. But my question here is, did Addie choose somebody for Luke to take instead of Henry to prove the love that she had for Henry? Or was it to was it her desire to best Luke and prove that she, like, she hates him enough that she's she's going to choose somebody else? What do you think? 
I'm leaning more towards the desire to best Luke. Because she... She seems to, like... She says she loves Henry, but she doesn't know if that's what really love is. And Mm. she says she... Like, she's constantly, like, this is war. I have to win. Like, blah, 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 blah. So I feel like this is just another way for her to best Luke by freeing Henry. So it's because she cares about Henry, but I don't think it's solely because she loves him. Yeah. But because, like, she just has this, like, innate desire to beat Luke. Yep. And she won't, so. Yep, I agree. Okay. So... We're moving on to chapter 14, and the quote is, I can make it better, he murmurs, all you have to do is surrender. This whole chapter was, like, the definition of feminine rage for me. (sighs) Addie is every woman in a relationship here when they continually have the same argument over and over and over and over and over, and women just get frustrated because it's not the argument, it's the fact that the man doesn't listen or the man says something stupid and (laughs) they get frustrated right now we're gonna get a little vulnerable here so stay with us you got really close you're like let's talk asmr (laughs) i love my husband he is a great man he is so good to me he is my world we have a wonderful marriage with all that said He has the capability to ruin a perfectly good moment with one little word, one little comment, and it's, he's like so good at it. He's so good at ruining good moments. Love that. It is such a man thing to do, but I'm curious here if we think that this is actually Mm -hmm. what Luke did, because I think it could go both ways, right? I, I don't know. And I don't think we are intended to know if, like, this whole relationship was actually true for Luke or if it was just, like, a farce to get her to surrender. And I think it honestly could go both ways. We get this quote later in the chapter that I'm going to hold on to. And it says, quote, A fraction of a moment when Luke looks wounded and confused and she wonders if he meant only what he said. If, (laughs) if. But then it is over, the hurt falls from his face, and it passes into shadow. The effect is smooth as it could cross the sun. Just kidding. The effect is smooth as a cloud across the sun. A grim smile plays across his lips. So here we get he was hurt and then tries to hide it really quickly. And I don't know if that hurt is actually like, oh, I've been playing this game for 20 years at this point. Like, am I actually hurt? Or is this what I'm supposed to be? And then, like, it just falls from his face because he's like, ah, finally I'm done. And then we get this quote, and this quote gave me chills. It says, quote, and what a tiresome game it's been. Oh, my gosh. Literal chills. So... My thought here is that I do think that it started off as a game, but it turned into more. So, Carrie, do you think he was fully playing a game here, or do you think he slipped up and wanted to 
cover it to protect his fragile ego. I I think he slipped up. And because I don't think he ever realized that Addie would last this long and be this stubborn and be this persistent. And yeah, I think I think it was he slipped up here and definitely covered it up so that he wouldn't look so bad because he's very prideful we've learned that yes he's very prideful okay yep so (laughs) i think we're both firmly in the camp this is a he loves me (laughs) Uh, chapter 14 new orleans the flight or new orleans (laughs) the fight that was forged over centuries (laughs) So this had to happen, this big fight, because, like, things were just going too well with them. Yeah. Um, but I mostly wanted to point out here, because I have talked since part one about New Orleans. Like, I've wanted to know yeah. what happens in New Orleans. And I was a little disappointed that it wasn't a lover here, TBH. I really felt like... um that I was just disappointed that it wasn't Luke or that it was Luke in New Orleans and that that's what caused the event. I really wanted something more dramatic. Like I wanted another significant, important lover of hers. Yeah. Because I felt like we only got a few and I don't know how that would have worked, but it's something I really wanted because I wanted it to make Henry more impactful. Like I I thought, oh, the fire happened because we knew it was a fire. Yep. The fire happened because Luke got angry that someone else found her. Like, I wanted that to be kind of, like, foreshadowing for what's going to happen with Henry. Mm. So, I was just... I wanted to point that out because I was a little disappointed that the New Orleans thing was Luke. And it wasn't a new lover. um, And that our, like, other lover was Max. And he was just kind of thrown in there. So Yeah. No, that makes sense. I wanted I wanted a deeper lover, but it's okay. I'll forgive you, Schwab, because your book is a masterpiece. But I'm kind of not mad that Addie is the one who started the fire. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not mad about that. I'm just like I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Okay, so this is my last point of my thesis. So if y'all are not decided by the end of this one, Maybe part seven will shed some light. But we have chapter 15. We have a quote from chapter 15. And it says, quote, it's coming from Luke talking to Addie. And it says, quote, because it's what you wanted, you were so set upon your need for love, you could not see beyond it. I gave you this. I gave you him. So you could see that love was not worth the space you held for it, the space you kept from me. Oh, Ugh. So this whole part, when I was reading, I was holding my breath because I loved that we got confirmation that Henry was actually a plant for Addie from Luke. Like, I loved that we got that confirmation. Um, We got so many confirmations of a lot of theories that we've been talking about. But that, Mm -hmm. I think, is my favorite one because we were so up in the air. Like, we, I think we were, I don't know about you, Carrie, but I was pretty much 50-50 on it. Um... Mm. but I loved that we got that confirmation and how it was presented was just perfection. Perfect. 
But this one was hard for me to fight for Luke for a couple of reasons. And I think this is going to end up in a He Loves Me Not. Ooh. This is such a selfish love. And we talk, like, Luke says a couple times, like, love is selfish. Like, love is getting what you need and whatever. And Addie comes back and is like, that's not what love is and blah, 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 blah. But we never get confirmation that, like, she truly understands what love is either. Um, Mm -hmm. But this is such a selfish love. This was not a gift to Addie. It was a Trojan horse. It was hey, you get to experience this love, but I'm going to I'm gonna hurt you with it. Yeah. And it was to hopefully show that Addie's... It was hopefully to show Addie that love was not worth it and hopefully to give her a reason to be with Luke or to want to be with Luke, mm-hmm. right? However, this is so manipulative again, and I think Luke takes a big L here because his plan totally backfired. <laughs> This reminds me of when uh in the ballad of Songbirds and Snakes when um Corio just like will be like, Oh, she's mine. Mm-hmm. Like big L buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess this could go both ways, right? It could be a he loves me, but he loves me how he can. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I don't think that love I don't think that Luke can truly love Addie in the way that like we think about love. But I think he loves her in the way that he can love anybody, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Addie really loved Henry and is willing to lose everything to save him and even spend the rest of eternity with her enemy. And we explored how they know each other earlier, but I think this is just another example of how Luke knows Addie and did his best to try and, um, manipulate her into being with him but I think this is so interesting because he says quote the space you kept from me he doesn't know her as Mm -hmm. well as I think he thinks he knows her because she was not keeping a space from him for love I don't think she was he knew that she was keeping something from him but I don't think he truly understood what she was keeping from him because it wasn't love. That was not what was holding Addie back. It was the fact that he was her only choice and she did not want to accept it. Yep. Yep. So again, with the power dynamics here, I don't think Addie could have ever loved Luke, actually. I don't think that ever could have happened. Um, it would have been too close to the Stockholm Syndrome situation. But I don't think we can deny that Luke knows Addie really well and did his best to help her understand that he was the best option and loved her in the way that he could. So I think this is this could go both ways. It could be a he loves me or he loves me not. It just kind of depends on are you looking at it from Luke's perspective or are you looking at it from Addie's perspective? Oof. So is that a loves me? What's your final take? Since mm. it's less. I'm going to say he loves me. Mostly because he is trying so hard. Maybe that's why Addie just can't, <laughs> can't get on board. Because he's trying too hard. 
Um, but no, I think he's trying so hard to get Addie um, to, like, be with him that I do think, like, even though it backfired, I do think this is going to be He Loves Me. Because he hasn't done this for anybody else before. That's true. That's true. That's all I got. Uh, all right. My last quotable is from chapter 20, and I really wanted to do so many in between chapter 15 and 20, but I don't want to make you listen to a three-hour episode. So here we go. Okay, so chapter 20. Think of it as a thank you for seeing me, for showing me what it's like to be seen, to be loved. Now you get a second chance, but you have to let them see you as you are. You have to find people who see you. Life can be very long sometimes, but in the end, it goes so fast. You better live a good life, Henry Strauss. Uh, this quote, Ooh. this quote, it destroyed me. I feel like Henry, uh, me and you talked about this on the phone the other day, so the reader or the listeners didn't get to hear this part. Um, I'm sorry, we just really had to talk about it. <laughs> but um, Becca and I talked about how Luke has some character development mm-hmm. But I, when working on this outline, I think Henry had some growth, too, and some character development. Mm -hmm. Because once he made his deal and met Addie and had a relationship with her, he kind of got to see, like, she lived 300 years, and he's just trying to live for one more. Mm -hmm. And all that she's done and all that she she could and couldn't do. So he's got he's getting to see a different kind of life that he could have lived. Yeah. And I think that growth is very important and he got to be seen truly how he is. Um, and I don't know if Luke meant to give him a gift and I think it, it really did give him a gift. Oh yeah. They're both a gift. That's a good point. So I think, uh, he kind of in his jealous rage and so focused on getting Addie back that he kind of forgot about Henry. Yeah. And what giving Addie to him would do. But I also think Addie is only giving it to Luke because she cared about Henry. And loving him, having that relationship with Henry really changed her for good. Allowing her to be selfless in a way that she hasn't been able to probably in 300 years. Because she is so selfish because she has to be. Like stealing and um, lying and like going about the world as a ghost kind of. I just, I loved her little monologue in chapter 20, her entire speech, and just the thank you to Henry, who impacted this woman who had lived 300 years and had seven lives and seven lovers, that um, that Henry was the one that really pushed her to be selfless and to give in to Luke. Yeah. Which was really, really good. And I, I felt like, as a reader, her speech was almost like a thank you for me to say thank you to this yep this story like thank you to henry and luke for really giving me an amazing story yeah that's what i was gonna say is i do think this is partially like a thank you from uh schwab to her readers of like thank Mm -hmm. you for reading this like go live your life knowing what you know now yeah yes yes very much so i loved it (sighs) You ready for favorite quotes? I am. We already talked about my favorite quote. <laughs> and it is quote and what a tiresome game it's been. Oof. Chills. 
We both picked a quote that we mentioned in really? quotes, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> Mine is, life can feel very long sometimes, but in the end, it goes fast. Mm-hmm. So fast. Nice. Such a good reminder. Yeah. Such a good one. Okay, so we are moving on to our timeline recap. We are going to summarize... I don't know if we're going to do a timeline in part seven. I think we have to figure out what else still happens in part seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's really short. It's only three chapters, but I don't know what happens there. So um, we may do a timeline recap in part seven, but just in case we don't, we're going to do a full timeline recap in this episode and I'm going to do it whoop, whoop. real fast. So buckle up. Buckle up. As a reminder, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle. <laughs> Yes, please. Um, As a reminder, these are the significant events. This is not recapping the entire book, just the significant events that we have and in the timeline that it shows. Okay, so today we're revisiting part the all the way back to part one up until the end of part six. So in 1698, seven-year-old Addie leaves Villain Villon for the first time. And then in 1714, Adeline strikes the deal with the god that answers after dark, our Luke. She learns the rules of her deal, makes her first deal, and gets injured for the first time and heals quickly. So this is really important in her understanding her curse. In 1715, this is the first anniversary where the darkness shows up after she drugs the man. So remember the wine bottle and he pours the drink. So like, he actually poisoned herself, but it, she like got her on the curse. Um, in 1716, the second anniversary where the do- darkness walks her back to her house after she steals a dress. In 1719, the fifth anniversary where Luke shows his power by entrapping the servants for dinner. That one is important just because it shows his true power. In 1720, the anniversary where the darkness doesn't show. Um, she... Remember, that's when she, like, becomes reliant on him, I think, for the first time. And she's, like, so excited mm-hmm. to show him what she's done. And he just doesn't show up. And it, like, wrecks her. Um, 1724, Addie meets Remy. She steals the Voltaire and starts to learn to read. So this is the first lover we get. Um, in 1751, Luke ruins Madame Joffrey's dinner party. In seventeen oh, in 1751, we get pointed back to this a couple times, but this is when Addie learns that ideas are wilder. So this is, like, the first time, like, she's like, oh, maybe I can use an idea to, like, move things in motion. That could be the, the mark that I make on the world. Yes. 1764, Luke makes Addie feel her age all at once. Terrifying. 1789, Addie travels with Luke through the, quote, dark for the first time. This is what, Carrie, I think you're referring back to when, like, I will always remember you started to become a promise rather than a taunt. In 1806, Matteo draws her. In 1827, Luke takes Beethoven's soul and shows Addie, like, his true form. In 1872, Addie sees the opera for the first time. Loved that part. 10 out of 10. In 1899, Luke visits Addie in the cabin in the snow and just tells Addie stories of the world. In 1914, Luke gives Addie the ring back. 
Um, this is new. So these are the new parts from part six. So 1914, Luke gives Addie the ring back as a promise that he's going to come when she calls. In 1952, Luke and Addie have their second kiss and their first official date. In 1952 through 1968, Addie and Luke have a relationship. In 1970, Luke gives Addie the house in New Orleans. And in 1984, Luke and Addie argue and burn down the New Orleans house. I just wanted to highlight here, we have, their relationship lasted so long. When I was originally reading yeah. it, I thought, oh, 1952 to 68, it's like 15 years, right? Um, or 16 years. In reality, it lasted from 1952 to 1984. So that's mm-hmm. 33 years. Yep. So much longer. Long time. So much longer. That's like a whole lifetime in and of itself. Really, though. Okay, so now we're going to jump 300 years. Um, I'm skipping over the 2013s. That's when Henry makes the deal with Luke. I didn't put that in here because I don't know if we can trust that story. So I don't I don't know if we want to put dates to that. Interesting. Um, okay, so then we go on to March 2014. So we have March 12th. Addie meets Henry, who remembers her, the only person who has since Luke, and she tries to steal a book. March 13, Addie tries to return the Odyssey, and Henry remembers her, so they go out for drinks and dinner, and Addie is finally able to tell somebody her name. March 14th, Addie and Henry go on their first date. March 15th, Addie wakes up and Henry remembers the night before and they have their first morning, which is so sweet. March 16th is the dinner party where we're introduced to Robbie. Your bestie. (laughs) (laughs) March 17th, Addie comes clean about the deal she made and so does Henry, kind of. Um, so that was a big one. And then we jump, we start jumping larger amounts of time after this. So in June, June 11th, 2014, Addie and Luke are at a bar and Toby comes on stage while Addie and Henry are there. July 4th, 2014, Henry starts acting weird. July 29th, this is the new parts for part six. Um, July 29th, 2014, Henry and Addie run into Luke on their anniversary, and Addie finds out about Henry's, quote, lifetime, also known as a year. September 1st, 2014, Addie makes her second deal with Luke. So the, I'll be with you as long as you want me. And then September 4th, 2014, is Henry's last day. Mm. That's all we have. When you said September 1st, I was like, my mind immediately went to Heather's. (laughs) I don't know if that's the actual date, but I think it is. I don't know. I don't remember. Dear Diary. Listening to Heather's. Yes. Dear Diary. (laughs) Just kidding. We don't have time for this amazing thank you for doing all the timeline recap you're welcome listeners thank you for listening i know that was a lot we appreciate you we do but now we're going to move on to our timeless treasures which is where we go over the art pieces at the beginning of each part so this is our next to last one but we are so familiar with this one actually we already know this one Mm -hmm. because it is 
title, The Dream Girl. Ooh. Artist, Toby Marsh. So we're thrown back to Toby. We love Toby. <laughs> so the date was 2014. The medium is sheet music. The location is on loan from the Pershing family. Description, this piece of original sheet music signed by singer-songwriter... Toby Marsh captures the beginnings of the song Dream Girl and was auctioned off as part of the Music Notes annual gala to fund public school arts programs in New York City. While some of the lyrics differ from the final song, the most famous lines, I'm so afraid, afraid that I'll forget her, even though I've only met her in my dreams, are clearly legible in the center of the page. The background is, this is largely considered to be the song that launched Marsh's career. The musician has only added to the mythology surrounding the subject by claiming the song came to him over the course of several dreams. I would wake up with the bars of music in my head, he said in a 2016 interview with Paper Magazine. I'd find lyrics scribbled on notepads and receipts, but I had no memory of writing them. It was like sleepwalking. Sleepmaking, the whole thing was a dream. Marsh denies being under the influence of any drugs at the time. Estimated value, 15 grand. Nice. I love that they had to clarify <laughs> that he was not on any substances. Me too, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that part made me laugh. Yes. But as we've seen throughout this whole book, we get a more obvious representation of Addie here. Yeah. It's continually, we get more, it's more obvious that it's Addie throughout this entire book. But... Toby's song Dream Girl is the one that Addie has taught him without him knowing mm-hmm. that we saw in the first part, but the words are fully his, which shows so much of an impact that Addie can make even without people really knowing. So I think she doesn't even realize how she can leave her mark mm-hmm. without even knowing that she's doing it. So she has here left her mark in a musical way, which was really cool because I'm a music girly, so mm-hmm. I'm always here for that. Yeah. And has figured out a way to be remembered, even if not fully. So Toby's song describes what has happened from his point of view. And we learned from part five that that just really like threw her through a loop. And I just love that whole thing. And she has been so smart that she has found these loopholes in the the curse and the deal. So uh, I am not ready for this part to be ending. (laughs) We have one more. We have one more. We have one more part. It's okay. I would just like to throw it out to Schwab really quickly that we have done six parts on this book. And it's not the longest book, but, like, we have been able to hold six parts up to this point, And, like, we don't want it to end. Like, we could Mm -hmm. probably do, like, we could probably still continue to talk about this for a very long time. And I think oh, yeah. we will, right? I think Carrie and I will. But um, throw out to, to Schwab for writing a killer book. Yes. 10 out of 10. Thanks for breaking my heart. <laughs> okay. Uh, our last segment is sevens. And as a reminder, there is a regular occurrence of the sevens in this book. Um, we have the seven freckles on her face, the seven parts in the book, the seven loves she will have, the seven lives she will lead, the seven gods watching over her, the seven stars on the book, or on the cover of the book, the seven art pieces that we get at the beginning of each chapter, and then the seven languages. Now, last week we took out the seven languages because we got confirmation there were eight. I left it in because I 
am not opposed to taking it out, but if we're going to take things out because we don't hit seven, I think we're going to need to take out a couple other things as well. For example, <laughs> seven gods watching over her, we only get Luke. And we have part mm-hmm. seven, so maybe we'll be introduced to six other gods here, but I, it's a lot. It's a lot, <laughs> and I doubt it. And it just doesn't seem like something Schwab would do. Like, they don't have any kind of backstory. So um, we're going to keep it just for funsies. For funsies. Um, okay, so our additions here is that we do get a seventh lover, Max. Um, Max, we get this in her California life. So that gives us seven lovers. So just as a reminder, we have Toby, Sam, Henry, Remy, Luke, Mateo, and Max. And then we get two new lives. So we get California with Max. And then we get New Orleans with Luke. So we're going to separate those two because they are a little bit different. Um, So then that brings us up to six lives. So I'm interested to see if we get a seventh in part seven. So we have seven lives she will lead. Right now we have France, New York City, Italy, Germany, California, and New Orleans. And I just wanted to note quickly here that the Germany life also includes her time as a spy in occupied France. So like we're covering that whole time frame. Would you count England if we don't get another uh, life? I mean, she didn't have a lover or like very significant time, but she did have the cottage. So I'm wondering if we throw that in there if part seven doesn't hold any other lives yeah that's a really good point i didn't even think of that i think england was such a short time for me it was it was i don't know i don't know if we can count it as a life i think for me a life is like a a a longer period of time i don't know how we're gonna go back and like do that though because like california we only get like half chapter so yeah and i was gonna say she gets her first like home by herself in England like the cottage that's empty so I would almost okay we'll see we'll see so I guess in that for that circle back would you combine California and New Orleans no because I think that's different California was with like Max yeah and I think her time in New Orleans was completely separate from California okay I would agree I would agree Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, listeners, let us know. Yeah. If we don't include England, we have six. If we do include England, we have seven right now. So, we'll see what chapter or what part seven holds. We will see. All right. You ready for weekly Rex? Ready, ready. Okay, so this is where we just get to share just some things that we enjoy that we would recommend to each other. So we're just going to recommend to you. Um, This one's really not for Becca for me this week (laughs) because she doesn't have a Switch. But it is a Nintendo Switch controller. It's not like actually owned by Nintendo Switch or anything. It's just like an off-brand one, but it's really good. It like lights up. You can get it in black or white, and you can choose different colors that pop up while you're using the controller, which I really love. So if you're a Switch user and love to play games, 
definitely recommend that. It's just the perfect vibe for Animal Crossing or Hogwarts Legacy or any other game. I want to switch so bad. It's so fun. I don't play it enough, but I love it. I want one so bad. I keep telling Liam I want one, but... I need to get you one for your birthday this year. No. I'll tell him. Okay. We'll see. Um, What's your weekly rack? Yeah, my weekly rack is an instant pot. It's a pressure cooker. It's like a seven in one, nine in one. I don't really remember, but I live and die by my instant pot. If I did not have my instant pot, we would starve. Now, that's a little bit of a gross exaggeration. So maybe we wouldn't starve, but um, we'd be close. Literally, though, like, it's my favorite thing. It is so nice. I can cook anything and everything in it. It's a pressure cooker. I don't love the slow cooker feature on it, but I love, like, it has a stew feature that's so good. It has, Mm -hmm. like, I can make rice in it. I can make soup. I can, I make this amazing chicken fajita dish. I make honey teriyaki chicken. I make beef stew. 10 out of 10. I live by it and highly recommend. I need to use mine. I did open the box the other day. Oh, good job. I've had my Instant Pot for five years and have never used it, despite Becca telling me I need to use it for like three of those years. At least once years. a week we talk about how she needs to use her Instant Pot. <laughs> I do. I, I think I'm going to open it this like soon so I can make yogurt. That's what I want to use Ooh. it for. That would be good. Yeah. I've never made yogurt in mine. I think it'll be pretty easy. It's supposed to be. I just, I'm not a yogurt girly. Mm, I love yogurt. And I, I think I would like homemade yogurt. Mm, we'll see. I also like preservatives, so. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you so much for listening to us today. For more content, make sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Tomes and Tropes Pod. Or if you have thoughts about this episode, theories, anything about this book, email us at tomesandtropespod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on do you think Luke actually loves Addie? What happens in part seven? And is England one of Addie's seven lives? We'll see you next week. Stay curious. Keep reading and And craft craft your your own own story. story.